This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC has escaped the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Show Radio. This is the Car Cast after USC's 35-31 loss. To the BYU Cougars at the Coliseum. We're going to talk over the game and so much more here in this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to wherever you subscribe to podcasts. We are there. Our email address is Rain of Troy at fansite.com. And our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Second Woodsburg Show. Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello! Uh, it has been uh, a little bit of a weird week. Uh, we, we weren't able to record during the week. It was a short week, uh, and with uh, your day job, my day job, family stuff, um, I ended up not being able to go to the game tonight. We we, we both watched it here back at the uh, the old studio. Um, and yet, SC goes in this one, um, playing one of their toughest opponents all season, the number 13th. Uh, BYU Cougars coming in the Coliseum a week after SC was just thoroughly uh, destroyed on defense uh, and lose by 29 points to UCLA. Here they are, and they put together probably their... I don't, I don't want to say the most complete game of the year. It was not that. Um, I wouldn't even say this was the most encouraging performance this team could have put together. But I think given the situation of last week, what people expected, uh, what people were expecting out of the last two games of the year, this week and then next week up at Cal, I think SC surpassed expectations by playing a game in which they had a chance to win it there in the in the final minute, uh, coming down and ultimately poetically falling short on their biggest drive of the year, the drive stalling uh, at the, the worst the worst time possible. Yeah, um, I feel strange right now because there was a point in this game that uh, you and I were having a discussion, or at least I was having a discussion in my mind, of what is the earliest we can start the car cast and get away with it. Well, at one point it was 21 to 10 BYU going into the half, their final drive. And BYU was, you know, moving the ball easily on, on SC in the, in the beginning of the game. If they score there and go 28 to 10, going to the half, I don't doubt this is a game in which BYU drops 50 and they probably win like 55 17 or something like that, right? Like, that's what it felt like this game was going to trend in that direction. Uh, and SC gets an interception right before the half. They come down. They settle for a field goal. That's fine. They but just they, need they points. They cut it to one to one they, score. They need to cut it to, to one score. So it's twenty one thirteen. They come out of the half. Uh, they force a, 
a a interception right away. It's taken away for a really questionable uh, roughing the passer call. BYU scores anyways, and it's easy to think, well, okay, this is the backbreaker that now SC is really going to feel boohoo about themselves because they had the game and now it's just completely gone against them. But even beyond that, they withstood it and they showed heart. They they showed what they had done the last like last year. Yeah, last year was it was the the most redeeming thing about the the twenty twenty Trojans was that they had a hell of a lot of heart, and they did not give up. And yes, they pulled games out of their ass that they probably shouldn't have won, but you have to have a certain amount of metal to do so, right? Yeah. And and, and they did. And tonight was the first time we had seen any of that metal. Um, I guess maybe you could say since the Washington State game, but that was, you know, first half metal that was shown in that the was, second quarter. That was decades ago. It yeah, feels it like. feels like forever ago. But um, yeah, no, it, it was it was exactly the opposite of what we've seen from this USC team week after week after week after week. Yeah, we saw this team either give up or not take the fight to opponents that were vulnerable, like ASU and Notre Dame. Yep. I mean, they did the hallmarks of all the things that they've done in the bad games. They they yeah. did that. They stalled on drives. Oh, they the they gave up big looked, plays downfield. Like, yeah, they did all those things. But it just it wasn't it's a like game, it didn't sink the ship. It wasn't a game. It, the The performance was very much this team, but this team is who they are. Right. What I think was really encouraging was that for the first time, this team flawed as they are. They they didn't collapse. They kept finding sparks. Um, I, I thought that it was arguably the best performance by the offensive line in a long, long time in terms the of running game good. opening up holes. And and you asked me a question uh, in the fourth quarter, like what would Keontae have done against this defense today? Yeah. And Malapaya looked great. I love Vi Malapaya. I think, but Malapaya I think Barlow, is not Keontae Ingram. Yeah, and Barlow was running the ball very well, but neither of those guys are Keontae Ingram. And yeah, Keontae could could have. I mean, the the, the two guys um, collectively they came away with two hundred ten yards uh, total. Malapaya had ninety nine yards. Barlow had eighty one. Both of them looked very good. I think Keontae Ingram easily gets over hundred yards if he's if he's yeah. given carries. And, uh, and, and I just think it was, it's, it was exactly what I needed from this team to give me some hope that this isn't the five-year rebuild that some people want to talk about. I've always thought that this team still had too much talent to act like the right guy couldn't come in and take hold of, of the talent, the core guys and, and win, you know, eight games right away. Uh, and, and this game, I think, was was proof of exactly what my gut feeling was, is that when you have a team that has Jackson Dart, who in this game looked like he had that that Sam Darnold essence of just being able to go out there and make plays, obviously still raw, still a young guy, still has to get put together in, in a proper scheme and proper coaching and all that kind of stuff. But he showed so many flashes um, you know, I've said all along that that USC has running backs. They have dudes like I, I mean, even this offensive line. You see what this offensive line does in this game. Do I think they're going to suddenly be able to turn around next year and take on the Utahs or Notre Dame's of the world? No, I don't think so. But there's no reason you couldn't be competent and put together a, a, a decent run game against 
most of the opponents that are going to be on your schedule that aren't going to be right. a, a crazy amount of, you know, USC gets Rice I mean, and Fresno State. Keontae Ingram rushed for like 100 and, was it 130 at, at Notre Dame this year? Yeah. I, I, again, I don't, I don't think that USC is so far away from being able to be competitive. I think they're, they definitely need a lot of work to, to be on a national level. But to be competitive in the Pac-12, no, I don't think it should take the new coach very long. And I think whoever the new coach is can look at this game. I, and I put this on Twitter. You look at this game and think, you know what? There are dudes that I can work with on this team. I can work with Kalen Bullock in that uh, in that secondary. I can work with Jackson Dart. I can work with Lake McCree. I didn't get to see Michael Trigg or Malcolm Epps. But like I think you you tweeted that like USC has some tight ends here. New coach could yeah. do a lot with these tight ends. So it's it's weird um, because I was very uninvested in this game. And then we I mean, I was ready to just cut out and start car casting at the end of the third quarter. And then USC put up a fight. Yeah. And, and we've talked about before that you can look at some of these games and think that SC could have gotten more out of it. The Notre Dame game, the ASU game that. SC could have got more out of those games, but they still lost those games by double digits, right? And more out of it maybe doesn't mean you win those games. It might mean that you take them to the end like you took this game to the end. Yeah. But I think a team that's better coached and is more prepared thoroughly wins this one. Yeah. And then those games against Notre Dame and ASU are like coin flips. And at that point, you just... Like you switch the records of of those games and 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 you're not incredibly that far off of where you need to be, um, you know, as a starting point in year one of of a transition. Obviously, you're not anywhere close to competing on a national level, like you said, but you got to start somewhere. Uh, and this game was a, a example of that you could, even as flawed as this team was in this game. They're right there with with the and number this, thirteen team in the country, and this yeah, and this BYU team is no joke. They have they have gone undefeated in the Pac twelve. Algier so, is insane. Yeah, and and that's the it's frustrating because I had pretty much lost all emotional attachment to this team until the fourth quarter of this game, and then suddenly I'm sitting there like clapping and like going like, hey, that's a good play and. There you go. And thinking about like, what do you need to do and how do you want to do it? Like getting into watching the game, being engaged, watching the game. I haven't really done that very much this year because there hasn't been a lot of opportunities to do that this year. So it's kind of annoying that I get engaged again and then that final sequence happens and it's a, a just a very frustrating final sequence. But it's also... That's what this team is. That's what this offense is. Like, you're not going to change overnight. You still are those flaws. The important thing, I think, from this game is the individual players, they came to play. They they gave USC a shot in this game. And that's all I want from this season. Like, from this season, when you lost your head coach after week two, all that, all I would have wanted. Win-losses don't really matter in this context. It's how hard are you fighting and and. Right. I don't think this team had fought hard enough. If they had played this game over and over again all season, it would have been they would be uh, it would have been a watchable season. And if sure, they lost right? every game just the same, and then who cares? It would have been you know frustrating in in a different way. Sure, but it wouldn't have been embarrassing. Right? Yeah. And and this is this ends up being a, a a game in which you look at it and you go, you know, we talked about last week that 
SC's offense and defense are incompatible. The offense is so jittery in the sense of they're very inconsistent. Well, they're they're consistently inconsistent, right? Because they move the ball within the 40s with ease. And then they get the ball to like the 30 or the 20 and they suddenly can't can't figure out how to keep moving it at that same pace and they they stall and settle for field goals over and over and over again. They did that against BYU plenty. The last drive of the game stalls, right? Like the it's, first drive of the game stalls. Yeah, and yeah. the drive of the half stalls. Like you you see this constantly, right? Like these things happen. This is what this this USC offense is. Um and that you you cannot that, that an offense like that cannot thrive with the defense that gives up big plays, big demoralizing plays because yeah. you need an offense that is going to to back up the the defense and the defense is going to back up the offense and these two sides just don't give each other reasons to feel good about each other. And and I'm not saying that you need to be have a a perfect defense for a perfect offense and all those sort of things but Look at in this game, the the defense, even while being gashed for plenty of times, which they were, they made they made some big plays. And all this team needed to do was, in addition to getting gashed all those times that they did, make some big plays every now and then. Force a, force a couple turnovers and, and have your offense come around and score a couple touchdowns. Because you're going to give your offense some momentum that way. You're going to give them a feeling of purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And not like every single drive that they don't score a touchdown is demoralizing because you know that the defense is going to go up and and allow seven on the next drive. Now you have some hope. And now when you settle for a field goal, it doesn't feel like the end of the world, right? Yeah. Because you know that your defense, actually, they might come up with a big sack like Chris Steele on, yeah. on, on that big sack there, right? Yeah. They might come up with a, with a big play. They, they might come up with a with a, a big pick in addition to potentially getting gashed downfield, right? And so it's that hope that you see kind of meshes together uh, and allows SC to play in what essentially was not quite a shootout, but, you know. It felt more back and forth. It, it was... felt back and forth into a third party. Like, this would be a very enjoyable game to watch. Yeah. And so, like, this is, this is all you needed to make a season interesting worth watching and it like i said it doesn't take that many plays to change to make it worth watching now how do you how do you go from making to from from being a team that's worth watching to one that is worth winning championships that's a harder jump and that's one that sc's gonna have to figure out a way to do uh with the new head coach whoever that ends up being but given the way the season has gone uh, it seemed impossible that they put together uh, a, a watchable game, and here they were. Uh, and and part of it, we, we talked about before, that on offense, they needed to just pick a quarterback, right? Yes. Just pick a quarterback. They go with Jackson Dart. And the interesting thing, you and I were talking about this during the game, um, because I, I, was try- I, I was trying to think, okay, could Keaton Slovis have done, could the offense have been the same with Keaton Slovis in there? I think the answer is yes. However... One of the one of the areas where SC thrives with Jackson Dart, um, even though he he's still not incredibly mobile, he's he looked way, a lot he, better. He looked, today. he looked a lot better than he did against the ASU game. A month confident. Ago. He looked yeah. more. It didn't necessarily look more mobile, but he looked more confident. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. 
And that's an added threat. It's an added threat the BYU needs to be ready for, right? But the other thing is, I don't think you or I thinks that Graham Harrell is as confident in Jackson Dart's arm as he is in Keaton Slovis. Yeah. And so, ironically, it makes you probably lean into the run more. Uh, and even though Keontae Ingram is not there, you start running back, you lean into the run with Vimal Pei and with, with Darren Barlow. And it all sort of works. It all sort of works. And like it, like it allows you to use darts, uh, take, take the pressure off of darts. And I think that this shows how much the offense can thrive when you don't put your players out there in a position to not succeed. And if this was always going to be what they were done with darts, and they should have done it a hell of a lot earlier. Yeah. But, but there should have landed on it at some point, I guess. There shouldn't have been anything stopping them from doing this with Keaton as well. They should have done it with because Keaton Because this, yes. this run game, I mean, this was one of the annoying, listening to the Rod Gilmore in, in this game was, was a, a trip. But one thing that was annoying me is like their shock at how well USC was able to run the ball. USC has been able to run the ball also, consistently yeah. over the last couple of years when they've, when they've, well, a not telegraphed it, and b yeah, but committed to it. Yes, but this year has been significantly this year, better. Significantly well, and yes. and and I think that we did we have seen some of the impact of of the new offensive line coach, better blocking schemes, not so uh, vulnerable. I think. Off the edges. I think that's, the a, that's a fair assessment considering he's been the change from last year. Yeah. Sure. But, but either way, like the, the run game has been there this, certainly this whole season. Certainly this whole season. The run game, it's not anything special. It's not anything that like uh, clearly this offense isn't built around it. Right. But it could have been more focused around we're going to just run the ball, take some of the sting out of the opposing offense, make them sit on the sideline for a right. little while, and it, help it our defense out. It didn't have to take Drake London getting hurt for them to figure that but out. But Drake right? London getting hurt contributes to this idea of, well, we can't just throw the ball to great Drake London 20 times a game, right? so we're going to have to hand it off a few times as well. And I think with Drake London, USC wins this game. Uh, but... It, the, it, is, it is a bit of a confluence, though, because... Yeah. It's a confluence of things where I don't think they have 100% confidence in the receivers, which I understand. You look at the drops. You look at the drops last week, the, the key well, drops some, from some of the plays, Katie Nixon and, you just, and Gary Bryant Jr. and Touch Washington. Yeah, And you just see straight up some of the plays in this game that Gary Bryant Jr. couldn't make that Drake London can make because Drake London sure. is a yeah. foot taller than Gary and, Bryant and, Jr. and he's a different receiver. Like, And you put those things together with... Dart still being a freshman and as a gunslinger is going to make some throws that, that maybe Keaton couldn't make, but he's also going to take some risks that Keaton wouldn't, wouldn't have and, taken and either. Right. Like, I feel like Drake, Drake London is exactly the kind of receiver that a guy like Dart would thrive with because sure. Dart will just throw it up to him. Now you have to control that instinct of, well, now you're just going to have well, Dart yolo all over the place. Threw to him 15 times. Yeah. But uh, but but either way, you can you can then if you found a balance between the run game as composed in this game, and also then when you need to pass, you can hit Drake London on so, some of those deep deep balls or hit Drake London in a in a pinch. I think it makes a big difference. So you know this this USC team was not set up to beat this BYU team. The circumstances around not having Ingram and London aren't good. Um, just the general gist of what this team is right now is not good. 
they put up way more of a fight than I think any of us expected them to put up. Right. And and frankly, you know, it's it's nice that you it's nice to have a USC game come down to you can look at a couple moments and think, well, what if that would like if they don't call that roughing the passer and USC gets that interception, like there are a few moments in this game where that's maybe the difference in the game. And all you if you're USC, just let yourself get in a position where the game is decided only by that one moment or by that second, you know, one of those right. moments instead of versus like the, the Stanford game where it goes through Drake London's hands a couple of times. And then suddenly you're down by 28 points. Right. And then, then it's hard to come back and say, well, you know, if well, only if, if only, this would have happened, yeah. which I think still it would have been valid. If only this would have happened, that would have happened. Things would have played out differently. But that argument is so much harder to make when you're down 20-something. Yeah. Or, you know, if if uh, that the phantom transport fumble that <laughs> I still don't know how the ball ended up where it on, was. On BYU's last touchdown drive, Algiers fumbles the ball. Or Algiers fumbles the ball. Uh, and you don't see it on camera. I, I'm not arguing that it wasn't a fumble. I think it was absolutely I think it was a, a fumble. fumble. I just want to know when the fumble happened. It was happened. just weird that the camera never picks it up. And then all of a sudden you see the other guy just running down the sideline with and you're it. like what where how did, how did it get where there? did i never i've still not identified where the ball is at any point in that right play. it was very it's very strange but yeah. again the game potentially that's a moment when uh sure. you know kalen bullock makes that tackle on on uh, was it a fourth down or a third down um and stops byu and like one of those moments changes and usc wins that game i just want usc to be in a position where we can talk about a handful of moments and that's the difference in the game right. and it, it was just i don't know it was just nice i mean it's a it's a loss it's disappointing i think you and i were both deflated coming over here to start recording because it was like well that's a bummer well, at one point in the game it looked like you know beating byu is the harder of the two games yeah maybe they're bowl eligible maybe they will go to a bowl and then i i, I tweeted that like if this is the team that sc sends to a bowl People would watch, yeah. and in in the sense of like this game was fun to watch. Yeah, um, was it the best USC team we've ever seen? Absolutely Cer- not. Certainly not. Very flawed. They like like that we secondary said, is hard to watch sometimes. The, the, the drive stalled. They got yeah. burned downfield. Like all the hallmarks of all the bad things that you've seen this year still happened in this game, but they fought. They fought through it, and they they. They rebounded and they made big plays plays of their own, which they haven't always done this year, which weirdly is encouraging. What more can you add? I'm encouraged. And I'm a lot extremely of young encouraged. Players, right? It was very it was Lake McCree players. had a hell of a game. Jackson Caleb Dart. Bullock had a great game. Yeah. Darren Barlow had a good game. Jackson Dart had a good those are guys that are going to be here next year. You're going to feel good about seeing those guys make plays. Michael Jackson the third made a really nice catch. It was only his only catch, but it was a really nice catch. Like I just I think there are there are little moments there that you can cling to as no, the core there's there's some core players in this team that can lead this team to relative success over the next couple of years. Yeah. Is is this core gonna win a national title at USC? No. Unfortunately, that's not gonna be their their lot in life. But these guys could, by you know, by twenty twenty three, maybe they're in the Pac twelve title game, and maybe they have something, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel for them to to achieve. But 
you know, it's just nice to see some you, fight. You, you doubting them? Jeez. No, I'm not. I'm not doubting them. I'm just, you know, the turnaround to a national title game no, is, I, is, I know, is a lot. I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah, but. For sure. Um, anyways, uh, you want to, before we wrap this up, you want to talk about the coaching candidate stuff. Yes. Okay. So since we didn't do a, an episode earlier this week, and if we did that, it wouldn't necessarily have mattered because things kind of blew up on Friday, uh, on Thursday and Friday, as far as the, the coaching rumors. So we're just going to get this conversation out of the way in case you're living under a rock. There is a lot of smoke around Iowa State's Matt Campbell right now. Um, Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports has reported that he's the favorite. The real Pete Thamel, not the Pete fake Thamel, one. Pete Thamel, not Pete Tharnell. Remember, remember, kids, if you are on Twitter, what you should do today, go on Twitter, make sure you're following Bruce Feldman, Pete Thamel. Um, who else? Who else is the big? Uh, uh, you probably had Dennis put, Dodd there. Put Dennis guess. Dodd, Brett McMurphy. Yeah. Go to them. Put them on notifications and live through a few dozen tweets of stuff Wilner's that's probably worth having Wilner's on having on there. Yeah. Like, put them on notifications so that you see their tweets when their actual tweets come out. Do not believe a single tweet that you see retweeted out into the ether because chances are that's a fake. They're trying to fake you out. The next few days are going to be madness about people getting faked out. Always be skeptical. Double check the... Blue check mark, double check the Stay app. Save Villagent. Yeah. Save Villagent. Okay. But the point is, um, Pete Thamel has reported, oh, Bruce Feldman has reported that uh, that Campbell is a guy that USC really likes, a guy that USC is looking at. So there's a lot of smoke on message boards. There's smoke from the USC message boards, Iowa State message boards, everywhere. There's just a lot of talk about Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell's season finished on Friday. With Iowa State. Yep. So, there. If USC were to hire Matt Campbell, it it might come in the next few days. It, it could happen within within the the it next week. It could happen. It could happen. So we need to have a conversation about Matt Campbell, who has always been your dude for years. Has been your dude. I looked it up. I've been tweeting about Matt Campbell since 2017. Yeah. So um, I figured we could just we covered Matt Campbell in the in the coaching rundown. Yeah. But obviously he didn't get a ton ton of airtime because we had a lot of guys to talk yeah. about. So, so tell me about what are, why make your pitch for Matt Campbell. Is this a if this is the hire that USC makes and yeah. no one knows anything. Just just yeah, there, so you know, there's no insider information. Over we, here. we don't no. know anything. No. Uh, and I don't think any of the insiders out there know very much either. No. It's all up in the air. We will see how this all develops. Yeah. But Matt Campbell's the guy that everyone's talking about right now. So tell me. What is your pitch for Matt Campbell? Uh, why should people be excited about this being a possibility? Okay. Matt Campbell uh, is someone who came up from Mountain Union. Uh, big Iowa football guy. I mean, uh, Ohio football guy. Uh, played at Mountain Union. Uh, had that winning mentality built into him. Uh, coached at Toledo. Took Toledo from a nothing program at the time. Uh, into a nine-win team. I believe he won the division there at the, in, Twice. In, in the MAC. Um, I don't believe he actually won a MAC title. Um, but he tied for first. But he he took them from like a three-win team to like a nine-win team and yeah. put them on the on the verge of of being a, a MAC uh, contender for sure, hundred percent. And then uh, got hired at Iowa State and. 
essentially did the same exact thing there. Took a, a team that was coming off two and three win seasons and really with this senior class took them to a Big 12 championship game last year, beaten Oklahoma multiple times. And the hallmark of Iowa State football uh, has been they've been pretty defensive-minded. They've had uh, a forward-thinking offense, and they've won the big games and just been very well-coached. Now, won the big games is an interesting thing because we've talked with our friend uh, Kenny Martin from uh, Traveler Hates Thursdays, rest in peace in that great podcast. And he's like, how can you say that when they've never beat Iowa? He, He never beat Iowa in his time at in uh, uh, Ames. Certainly that's a problem. Yeah, never beat Iowa. But he beat Texas. He beat Oklahoma. Uh, he beat Oklahoma State this year. Like, he, they went and beat so many big teams in that conference. Uh, and I think that when you're at Iowa State and you're playing with a talent disadvantage, that's what I'd rather Which, have. I'd, I'd rather have the guy who wins the big games, loses at West Virginia rather than the inverse, which is the James Franklin thing, where you win all the easy games and lose the games against ranked opponents. Matt Campbell's the inverse of that. Uh, yeah, they, did, they didn't win every single game against a ranked opponent, but they made every single team earn it if they did, while not having the same talent and being at Iowa State. And I think that, yeah, this year wasn't the best year for Iowa State. They, they started as a, as a team in the top 10, uh, they went eight and four, I think. Seven and five. Seven and five. They'll grow into a bowl game, though. So they yeah, I, I think you'd, you'd want to feel better about them. But I think that if you're Matt Campbell, you are hiring Matt Campbell because of his track record. And his track record is that he took two programs who are not good at football and made them good at football. Uh, and if you're USC, that's what you have been lacking. You have been lacking a developer. You have been lacking a guy who has your team well-prepared. You have been lacking the ability to go up to a, a, a opponent that is better than you and run with them. When was the last time SC faced an opponent that was better than them and looked like they belonged in the same field? Yeah, um, and that's, that's, I think, the ultimate compliment to Matt Campbell is he is incredibly well-respected because his teams are well-coached. Yeah. They're not perfect, but they're also Iowa State. And and the thing that I keep bringing yeah. up to people is that uh, to truly understand specific to Iowa State, the level that he has elevated that program, uh, they had won nine games before he arrived there, like once since 1906. They have never... That was the year with like Seneca Wallace, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and it was it was a little bit of an outlier with that uh, with that era. But they have never won like seven games five years in a row. And that's exactly what he's already done. He could get to eight wins. Yeah. Like their eight win seasons are like few and far between in their history. Yeah. And he's had three eight win seasons, nine win seasons. Yeah. And, and I know the other downside, uh, I've seen people get very upset that Matt Campbell um, has not come out and talked about winning championships. I don't know how to put this. When you're at Iowa um, State, can you actually talk like that? Well, I think they could have this year. They could have this year after they had won uh, their way into the Big 12 championship game last year, lost the Big 12 championship game to Oklahoma. I think you could have said, okay, we got there. 
to the championship game this year. We're gonna our goal is to go back there and win it. I think you could have gotten away with it. However, I would just push back and say, as a USC fan base, I don't think you can spend years, years, being frustrated with Clay Helton's uh, faith family football stuff and wanting to win the the Pac-12 South or and talking about all the championships that. He was all the times Clayton said that said we're going to win championships and all yeah. that, and then get around and, and get upset that Matt Campbell doesn't talk about winning championships. No, Matt Campbell's from Mount Union. They owned Division Three for decades. Yeah. The dude like has it ingrained in him. He knows what winning is like, and coaches are different. Are, are coaches? But they're going to talk about coach things. Coach speak is a thing. Pete Carroll. All he ever did was talk about wanting to go to the Rose Bowl and win the Pac-12 and control what you can control. He didn't talk about winning national championships every year. Uh, Nick Saban uh, talks about the process. Like, all these coaches have different things. Just because they're not saying our goal is to win a national championship by year three or else we're a failure because that's how fans speak doesn't mean that he doesn't want those things too. I know there's aversion to that because, well, this is USC and that's what we demand. But I would just say, slow the roll with that. Because I think that USC fans can absolutely scare people off. And we've talked about it before about Chris Peterson. I've always wondered if Chris Peterson would be a good fit because I don't know that people would be tolerable of him breaking down the program and really having his say and instilling his control on things because... Oh, no, it might not be the USC way. Well, look at the USC way and look at the last 40 years. With the exception of the nine years that Pete Carroll was here, what has it meant? Not really much. You might as well let a a proven winning coach, even without the national championships, put together their cement. Because look across the country and look at how the coaches that are winning games and getting into the playoffs are doing things. They're doing things like Matt Campbell does. Yeah, and and quite frankly, there are are no actual available coaches who have national title resumes that are actually good. Um, I mean, unless you you want Gene Chizik. Would uh, you take Pete Carroll right now at 70 years old? No. So the the thing on Matt Campbell that I think I want to uh, emphasize is Iowa State is 57th in 24-7 sports team talent team talent composite rankings, which is behind Cincinnati, behind Colorado, behind Oregon State, behind Purdue. Um, they're way down there, way, way down there. So yeah. he has consistently won with lesser talent. He has been attract he has been pursued by major college football programs. He has been pursued by NFL franchises and he has decided to stay at Iowa state. So if USC pulls him out of Iowa state, that means that Matt Campbell, it like it's implied that he's coming to USC to win championships because if he wants to, he could just stay at Iowa state forever and be a legend and be a hero. So the mere fact that if he came to USC, that's baked into the cake, that that's what his goal would be. You don't come to USC if you're not intending to take your step to take your your step to the next level and actually compete for championships on a on a real on a real scale. 
um, the 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 counterpoints to all of these, which you and I are big, we're we're both big on Matt Campbell. I think it would be a, a hell of a hire. Uh, he's not my number one choice, but my number one choice is uh, apparently staying at Baylor. So there's not much I can do, and my other number one choice is staying at Cincinnati. So there's not much not much we can do. Um, as far as getting Matt Campbell, it's still a home run hire, as far as I'm concerned. The cons of the Matt of the Matt Campbell uh, pursuit just to keep it fair, are he has been at Iowa State for six years and they still have the 57th ranked talent composite and he's been successful there. He's built a program there. Recruiting to Ames is very difficult, but you would almost like to see a higher level of recruiting at this stage. Can can I push back on that a little bit? I mean, yeah. What school... In the uh, the greater uh, Cornhusker region, let's just say, uh, gets better recruits. Well, okay, Iowa is forty third, so it's not like they're b- blowing yeah. it out of the park. But yeah. um, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like I I I find it hard to imagine that any of those schools are going to, on a consistent basis, have top forty talent. Iowa, Iowa State. Kansas, Kansas State, Minnesota, like those schools are not going to have access to the to the premier talent. So, yeah, I think in a in a wonderful world, it'd be great if he was recruiting guys out of Texas more. Yeah, but now he would have access to California recruits. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. And he's so, a very and the the thing is, like Matt Campbell is a very personable guy. He's got a good personality. Yeah, he deeply deeply cares for his players he builds trust with his players so all of those things it's recruit like it no one has ever said he's not a uh, not a good recruiter not interested in recruiting so there's there's that um the other knock on matt campbell is i think a fair knock that you can apply to most candidates that are out there he has won with lower level talent yeah does that mean he's good with lower level talent would everything that he does well translate to five-star talent? I think there is always a question when you're looking at lifting up a guy from a lesser program. But this is where I push back on a lot of people, you know, whether or not you're talking about Dave Aranda, uh, Fickle, Campbell, whether you're talking about dudes in the NFL. um, There's an inherent risk with literally Coordinators, every single hire, the vast majority of hires do not work out. The vast majority of people who move jobs, and this is why, as much as it's frustrating to see these guys all signing extensions and stuff, I think coaches are smarter to sign the extension at the place that they're at and to keep, like, Mel Tucker staying at Michigan State, Dave Aranda's potentially staying at Baylor, Fickle at Cincinnati, uh, Wake Forest, I forget the... Uh, Clawson. Clawson? Dave Clawson. Clawson, Yeah. Uh, those guys, I think they're smart to stay where they're at because moving is an inherent risk in terms of will what works where you are now right. work at a different place. The vast majority of coaches who make that change fail. Yes, which is why I like Matt Campbell because he's done the same thing at two different schools. Yes, he did it at Toledo. Matt Campbell. Now, I, I guess the pushback would be that Toledo and, and Iowa State are working against the same restrictions Yeah, where they are... It's a mid-level G5, and it's a mid-level uh, or a lower-level Power 5. So, like, those schools are probably more like each other than like USC, 
I will give you that. Um, and every move, every hire is going to be risky. Look at, you know, four years ago, we talked about with UCLA getting Chip Kelly. We would have said that that was the greatest hire in college football. And it hasn't really worked out completely well, right? So every hire is an inherent risk. Um, do you have any more cons or can I wrap this up on, on Campbell? The con, the, not the con, the plus, the thing that I would say is if you want to get really excited about Campbell as a prospect, Campbell's profile is closer to Nick Saban's at Michigan States than the vast majority of coaches that you'll find out there. I mean, Nick Saban coached at Toledo, by the way. He did? Yeah. Um, but you look He's at from Ohio too. You look at what Saban did at Michigan State, six and five, six and six, seven and five, six and six, nine and two. Michigan State, he was establishing a program. He wasn't wildly successful. Okay, so the difference here for me, Nick Saban had NFL experience yes. at that point. Matt As Campbell didn't. Yeah. But Matt um, Campbell has eleven years of coaching of head coaching experience, yes. which is a very big plus. I, I think the other difference is Michigan State, I think, is a step ahead of Iowa State. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, my, my point I get being, what you're selling. I just, my my I point just, being is that if you're worried about Matt Campbell hasn't won enough at sure, Michigan right. at Iowa State, he's won as much as Nick Saban did at Michigan State. Now, I am not saying right. that Matt Campbell is Nick Saban. I would never But Michigan State is, a, is, a, is in a better place than Iowa State has yes. ever been. So, yes. My, my yeah. point being is that there's a reason multiple NFL franchises have come crawling to Matt, to Matt Campbell's door. Yeah. And the last thing I will say about Matt Campbell, if you would have said in September that SC is going to fire Clay Helton and they're going to ultimately hire Matt Campbell, you would have said that that was a home run hire, slam dunk, all those things. That is exactly what you wanted to hear thing. So if the seven and five season this year is what scares you away, I get it. But the only thing that I ha- the the only thing is just like remember that this is a track record thing for Matt Campbell, uh, and the inverse of like you know uh, some sometimes I think that one of the reasons that guys don't always work out is because they get hot one season and they don't have the you you know the the knock on on Dave Aranda. As much as I like Dave Aranda as, as a coaching Dave candidate, Aranda, but it is a valid knock. But but the the there is a concern that this was the one year that he's been he's been a good head coach because he hasn't had the opportunity to build up many years like this. Whereas Matt Campbell has many good years. Yeah, even if this one isn't his best. Here's the thing about Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell's floor is very low compared to some of the other guys that you're looking at. I think Dave Aranda's floor could be very low. No, Matt Campbell's floor is very high, is what I'm meaning. I'm like, what yeah. are you talking about? Matt Campbell's floor is very high, compared okay, to like Dave Aranda, where well, he, I think his okay, floor... Here, here's the thing. At USC, you want to know what the floor is? The floor is Dante Williams and Clay Helton in 2021. <laughs> I mean, this, this is, is fair. the floor. This is the floor, This yes. is the floor. Yes. Yeah. So so what does that tell you? Like this is the this is what the floor is. Yeah. So so the the yeah, like if you just bring in an ounce of competency 
to an entire to the coaching staff and, and everything, you're going to be significantly better. Significantly. Yeah. yeah. So. So we're. I mean, and let's again. We're going to say this. Matt Campbell is just the name that everyone's talking about right now. By Monday. By Sunday, he could sign an extension yeah, with Iowa State, and, and then knows, we'll and be looking at someone relevant. totally. Yeah. Yeah. But he's the one that, that people are talking about, so we figured we'd address it. All right, that's a wrap of this thing. We'll be back later in the week, uh, USC and Cal. Uh, and then if anything happens in the coaching search, we'll be back for that as well. So, yep. uh, until then, thanks for listening as always. See you. See ya. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.